Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's great to be back at the kitchen table, Sean. And with the guest that I first heard about on The Bottom Line, you had this, our, our next guest on. You Just came... Wait, be clear that The Bottom Line is Fox Business from... 6 p.m. Let's <laughs> make sure we get yeah. it right. 6 p.m. And every now and then you come home and go, we just had a guest that we got to get on the podcast. And this was one of them. He is the author of a new book, which I already love the title. It's like, I couldn't have written a better title for this. Um, Control Agarks, Exposing the Billionaire Class, Their Secret Deals, and the Plot to Dominate Your Life, I might add, and the world. Um, so he's also the director of research at the Government Accountability Institute, um, has worked with Peter Schweitzer for years, uncovering all kinds of corruption in our own con- country. Uh, Seamus Bruner, welcome to the kitchen table. We're so excited to have you, and we have a lot to unpack here. So why don't we start with, I don't even know where to start. Um, Listen, Seamus, just to tell us about the book, right? Yeah, I, let's just start with because that. Because I came home, you, you're on the bottom line, and I'm like, this book is fascinating. It hits the topics that Rachel and I talk about all the time uh, around the kitchen table when the when the camera's not on, because um, we think this is destroying democracy, going to destroy the free world um, and freedom itself. So tell us about the book and what we learn. Yeah, sure. Sean, Rachel, it's so good to be with you. Uh, the control oligarchs are very simply the oligarchs that want to control your life. Uh, working with Peter Schweitzer at the Government Accountability Institute, our motto is to follow the money. And so we followed it to the Clintons, to the Bidens, to the FBI, James Comey. And so, you know, you get to the end of each investigation, each Schweitzer investigation, and you think, well, there's got to be some people pulling the strings yes. uh, beyond kind of the daily food fights in Washington. You know, someone elbowed me and, you know, the Rachel, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is griping about something. Um, but it doesn't seem like they're the ones coming up with a lot of these policies. Mm. And so we followed the money a bit further. We followed it to the top and found that uh, men like Bill Gates and George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos, Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, they're the ones who are really steering the policy, both in the U.S. and all over the world. And the pandemic was sort of this wake-up call. We saw videos of Klaus Schwab uh, kind of gleefully, this is the Davos founder and chairman, World Economic Forum frontman, uh, gleefully talking about how the pandemic was an opportunity. And, you know, we're all, you know, people are locked down and losing their businesses and their kids are, you know, suffering uh, not going to school, getting no, no education for at least a year. And so as the, as the, all of these people uh, added trillions, multiple trillions of dollars mm-hmm. to the Davos elite's net worths, uh, while we all lost a trillion in the middle class, that, that was kind of the impetus behind this. And then we looked at what they're spending all this money that they're making on and the priorities that they have. 
and found that one by one, industry by industry, they're taking them over, seizing control in a way that it's going to be very hard to get that control back. And so, yeah, that was kind of the impetus. I mean, these guys are unelected. It's a little different than most government accountability institute investigations because we usually are looking into the politicians. These guys are unelected and uh, therefore they're unaccountable. So uh, that's a big problem. So you say, okay, there, there are these oligarchs that are pulling the strings. So let's talk about who these oligarchs are. And maybe we can start with, I mean, we know Soros and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. We hear those names. Uh, let's start with the, is the leader of the oligarchs, the person coming up with all these crazy ideas that, um, I mean, seem like right out of a James Bond villain character. Is that Klaus Schwab? Is he the leader? Because he started this Davos, you know, uh, World Economic Forum, where all these people gather on a yearly basis. If we've been plotting all of this, uh, you know, for years, and we're starting to see some of this come to fruition. Who is Klaus Schwab? Um, and is he the leader? Yeah, certainly. Well, he is the person who leads the organization where all of these strategies are synced. So they all go to Davos once a year. Bill Gates has gone many times, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, George Soros, and, and those guys deliver the keynote addresses. But Klaus Schwab, uh, you know, we trace it all the way back to the beginning. So he's a, he's a Swiss engineer. He's kind of an academic nerd type. And uh, Davos started on just $6,000 in seed money. And it was this, this uh, meeting of academics who kind of just brainstormed ways to upend capitalism. And so uh, then Klaus Schwab goes to is, Harvard. Is he, a social, is he a socialist? Is that what he is? Well, he's got a, uh, a, new, uh, a new form of capitalism, uh, but it's a lot like China's form of capitalism, right. which is called state-run capitalism. It's this amalgamation of uh, communism mixed with capitalism, where uh, Klaus Schwab calls it stakeholder capitalism. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through uh, his many manifestos and you know, thousands of pages on the World Economic Forum's website. Stakeholder capitalism, it lists... Uh, who the stakeholders will be. It's not shareholder capitalism or free market capitalism. Uh, and the share and the stakeholders in Klaus Schwab's economic system is businesses, NGOs, government officials, uh, but who's never mentioned is we the people. So we right. don't have a seat at the table. We can't vote on any of these policies. Um, but, you know, I start the book off with this meeting called the Good Club. And so this is sort of before Davos. I mean, Davos had been talking about climate change and uh, overpopulation actually was kind of what it was founded on in the 60s, 70s and 80s. But uh, this meeting of the Good Club is convened by Bill Gates, George Soros, uh, David Rockefeller at Rockefeller University in New York. It's at the president's house. And there's a bunch of other people there. Oprah Winfrey is there. Mm. Ted Turner, CNN founder is there. It's approximately 15 billionaires and they all get together. The context of this meeting is uh, Obama has just been elected. They all spent great sums of money getting him there. And so now we need to use this uh, Obama opportunity to uh, exert our influence and and bring about the things we want to see happen in the world. And so uh, they all decide that the one cause that unites them, and this is the cause that unites a lot of the people who go to the World Economic Forum in Davos, is that there are just too many people living on planet Earth. Uh, overpopulation is a big concern. Now, you know, we certainly don't, you know, they, they're, how are they going to get rid of the people is, you know, the number one question. And that's the question I sought to answer. Uh, it seems to be by lowering the birth rate. They're not, you know, committing 
genocide as far as we know. Uh, but the lowering of the birth rate. So they decide to pull, pour a bunch of money into uh, abortion and the plant organizations like Planned Parenthood. Um, but then they also say, well, this is a good, climate change is a good way to reduce the population. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what, where the book kicks off. You know, Seamus, you might go, well, we want to decrease birth rates. Maybe we'll make sure every woman uh, in the world takes a vaccine uh, on COVID. That might do a good job of reducing the global mm -hmm. birth rate as well. But we want to get to this because, you know, if you look at the course of human history, man has lived under kings um, or rulers throughout the course of our history. And we had this great experiment in, in, in America where uh, the people were able to have self-governance, self-rule, maximize freedom. And that idea has uh, spread to great you know, parts of the globe and has, again, maximized the freedom of the human heart. People get to do what works for them, um, live the life that they want to live, the priorities that they see fit, not what the king sees fit. And to, to, I think the book that you're talking about in the oligarchs, they want to put us back in change, uh, chains under, uh, under leaders, under rulers, under kings. And what I find fascinating is so many people are willingly saying, you know, put the shackles on me. I want to be controlled by, you know, these, these very rich elites who have an idea of how I should live my life. And by the way, the idea they have for the way I should live my life is not the way they see the way they should live their lives. There are two different standards, one for them and one for us. But the masses are really kind of buying into this, which is shocking to me that you, you, you have this. Isn't, um, it just isn't it convenience? Aren't they luring us? Like the other day I went through the airport and, you know, uh, my kids were saying, you know, you talk all the time, mom, about not, you know, you're, you're concerned about all these globalists and, that, and yet you love clear and they're, you know, taking your eyes. Um, and so she loves clear. I love clear. And it's like, they got me. <laughs> so is, is convenience <laughs> the way, I mean, I get, you well, said Amazon is so easy. Amazon so easy. I keep making That's... Jeff Be Bezos richer and richer and more able to control me. Um, of course there's, there's the moral arguments they make around, you know, population control, which are really sick. Um, but also the climate, you know, all these kids now saying, I don't want to have kids because I don't want to have, you know, babies myself because I want, you know, to save the planet. That's more important. So they're making moral arguments, but then they're capturing the rest of us to convenience. Is that right? Yeah, th that's exactly right. I mean, I had the same thought going through the airport uh, <laughs> and I saw clear and I was tempted to, to join. You didn't do it. You're it better just... than me. <laughs> no. Um, and people ask me all the time, like, why don't you have, why don't you have that? Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, a, you know, a little more, uh, extreme, I guess, in no, terms of not wanting to give up like the you. data. I regret it. Yeah. But well, in any, in any case that no, you're, but you're exactly right. It's the convenience and it's easy. I mean, that's the big problem. And that's like what the book sort of lays out is like all of these things. And I, you know, I applaud a lot of the products that, I mean, as I'm writing the book on Microsoft Word and it's spelling and grammar checker is extremely convenient for me. Um, you know, yeah, I do feel like a, a bit of a hypocrite. Um, but that, and, and that's the thing that's so concerning about it is that it's just going to be easy, like kind of slipping into a, right. the warm bubble bath of tyranny. Yes. And so what, great analogy. what world do you think they want us to live in? What is, if you're able to project out and after all your research, what does it look like? Yeah. What what's they, the end game? What do they want? Well, it looks a lot like China, um, huh? the, what, what the system that they have in China and, and Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and, uh, you know, you remember Tony Fauci. 
would all praise the Chinese lockdowns. I mean, COVID is a big theme in the book because people think, you know, I hear it all the time, COVID's over. No, COVID was just a blueprint for the future of how to lock you down, how to crush your small businesses. All of their businesses grew like by trillions Mm -hmm. of dollars. Um, and while like they don't like competition, that's, that's another thing in Klaus Schwab's stakeholder, ca- uh, capitalism manifesto is competition is unpredictable and chaotic. Um, but that's what drives innovation and that's what drives down prices and ultimately, uh, drives up consumer satisfaction. They like a one size fits all, you know, state run corporations. They like the surveillance and the, uh, kind of, uh, surveillance cameras on every street corner. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what you're up to. Yes. Ultimately, the social credit score, where it, you know, uh, depending on how compliant you are with the regime, that's uh, how you, like your cast in society, your, your level in society will be determined on that. If you're an opponent of the regime, you're probably not going to get weekend driving privileges. Um, the, and, and these 15-minute cities, I mean, the concept uh, is a nice, charming concept where you can walk uh, anywhere around the city within 15 minutes, and everything you need is right there uh, at the touch of you know, at the touch of a fingertip. Um, however, we see what 15-minute cities in China look like. They're these gigantic high rises, yep. uh, where yeah, your grocery store is on floor 15, and the gym is on floor 32. But during something like a COVID, you, uh, you can't leave, and so you're. <laughs> I mean, it's essentially a prison that has all you need. Um, now, you know, we'll see if Paris, who's uh, adopted this, cl- this 15 minute city concept is yes, going to be like that. I mean, I've, I do have faith that the people are going to resist, um, you know, at, at a certain point you'd hope, I mean, in the United States and, and we, and you guys mentioned the United States is kind of this bastion of freedom. That is why the United States is like public n- enemy number one right. of the globalists. If it yeah. looks like George Soros is funding the destruction of yes, our country, is. it's because he is. And that is, and so, so I have two questions that pop in my way. One. Is China working with the oligarchs? Um, like they want to, uh, what is that relationship like with, with the Davos group and all these, these people? And, and, and then the second is if you could break down the role of Soros, because a lot of people go, why would Soros do all these things? What's the end game? Why would he try to, you know, fund DAs who, you know, encourage criminality, you know, in our country and make it unlivable? You know, why is he funding the NGOs that are, you know, pressuring the Biden administration and getting funding from our government to open our borders? Why is he paying f- on the other side of the border to the, the on the Mexican side? He's paying NGOs um, to keep the 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 to encourage illegal migration and keep them there as they make their way, you know, temporary places for for the migrants as they make their way over. There's so many areas where George Soros is working. So start with China and then talk to me about George Soros. Sure. So Davos has been in bed with China for decades. I mean, before China even implemented its economic reforms that led to this uh, capitalist communist hybrid model, uh, uh, Klaus Schwab and Davos economists went into China in the 70s. He's been given a Medal of Freedom from the Chinese Communist Party or not. Sorry, not freedom, friendship. He's been given the Medal of Friendship from the Chinese Communist Party for his efforts bringing about their economic reforms and implementing their current system of state-run capitalism. And he talks about state-run capitalism and he's uh, very, you know, very positive about uh, the efficiency and how quickly they can mobilize uh, resources in the times of crisis. He kind of lusts, and a lot of these guys lust after the efficiency in their terms as a euphemism for just raw autocratic power. 
that the Chinese Communist Party has. So uh, they're all sympathetic at the at a minimum. I mean, there was all this talk of decoupling uh, before the Xi Jinping summit in California. They don't want to decouple, not even close. They like the things like uh, censorship of their opponents. They would like to be able to vanish this book immediately from Amazon so that people can't find out what they're up to. And so, I mean, with the, you know, you saw it in uh, the lockdowns in COVID. Anthony Fauci praised the zero COVID policy in China, even after it had been proven a total disaster, like the, the locking down of tens of millions of Chinese in Shanghai and other cities. It did not have any effect on the spreading of the virus. We learned that here in the United States as they locked down a lot of mostly blue states. Um, everybody ended up catching COVID anyway. Um, and so what was it really all about? It was really just kind of a trial run for how much the people are willing to take. We'll have more of this conversation after this. And they, and they took a lot. And as I look at, you mentioned Barack Obama and how they were going to maximize the Obama presidency. Um, they put it on overdrive with Joe Biden, who, again, he, he deserves all the fault of the policies that he's implemented. They just, that have given us the border, the crime, the inflation, the economy. Um, but, you know, the, the biggest threat to the movement, I think, is Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is will will will, will speak the truth to power. He's the one that'll be like, listen, we're not going to do this. We're going to we are going to decouple from China. We are going to secure a border. We're not going to have crime on the streets. Um, and you, and as I was in, I was in Congress for nine years. What you'll see is the businesses, uh, that you're referencing, whether it's the Zuckerbergs or the Bezos, um, or the Bill Gates, they'll come in and, and there's, there's hundreds of other ones that'll come in and lobby on behalf of China to get our government, our politicians to not do what's best for America, but to do what's best for them in China to make more money at the expense of the freedom of so many Americans. So do you also see Donald Trump? as the biggest threat, as a leader of a free people to, to, to actually push back on Globalist. this new world order, the yeah. globalists? We've never seen the mobilization of resources against a single person in, you know, ever. ever. Um, so whether it's the Zucker bucks yeah. putting the drop boxes discriminately in blue areas, uh, whether it's George Soros now already putting his thumbs on the scale in 2024 with the, not just the prosecutors who are, who are filing these uh, obscene charges that carry, a, you know, near thousand years in prison. They want to bury Donald Trump under the prison. And, uh, you know, with the, and then this effort to get him removed from the ballot is also from a Soros backed group. Okay. Um, so like you've never seen, uh, the control oligarchy unite against a single person before. So I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, is that, I mean, and that says it all. They're not afraid of DeSantis. They're not afraid of any of these people. They're just afraid of Donald Trump. Which is why I think I mean the fact that all of these things have happened to Donald Trump and Seamus and he and he's still like going up in the polls says that it's, on some level people are awake and they may not be saying it. I do think there's a lot of fear. Sean, I've been really surprised that we haven't seen the protests um, at all of these different you know courthouses with Donald Trump. We think it's the January sixth effect. Um, you talked about. Um, you know, the social credit score, we're already seeing that. I mean, these January, any people that were there who didn't do anything can't fly. They're on no fly list right now. Um, that's the, that's the China model. Um, I, I know Sean wants to talk about, uh, CBDCs. I want to get there too, just really quick because I'm so fascinated by Oprah. And what is her, uh, there's two names that I want to talk about. And if you could just give it to us, just because it's fascinating to me. Oprah, what's her role in this? 
Um, you know, she keeps coming up in all these, these things. Like I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Um, the other is Fink, um, from, uh, from BlackRock. From BlackRock. Well, we'll start with Oprah because BlackRock leads uh, perfectly into CBDCs. Okay. Uh, so Oprah was at this meeting of the, the, the self-appointed so-called good club in 2009. And, uh, overpopulation, she, you know, she shares that concern that there's too many people on planet Earth. So, I mean, whether it's uh, in the United States or in Africa, she pours a bunch of money into things like Planned Parenthood and increasing access to birth control. Um, you know, she sort of stays out of the headlines. I mean, she doesn't want to be a controversial figure. Right. She's become one. Um, and so, that, you know, that's really where she popped up. I was really hoping to get like a, a chapter on Oprah, but she's uh, she's pretty good at you know, she goes uh, under the radar. putting out, yeah, flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. You know, she has her, she has her show and, uh, you know, I, you know, it's maybe that's what it is, is kind of yeah, leading she, people to like, like, sort of like social engineering, yes. uh, cranking up Overton window for, uh, people who watch the Oprah. Yeah. The su- suburban moms. Um, I, I have this theory that, you know, people think I'm crazy, but I have this theory that in the 11th hour, we're going to get a Michelle Obama. That's going to be a lot about Oprah, a lot about that suburban mom vote and sort of painting a, a, a sort of, you know, pretty, pretty picture around all of these really evil things that you're talking about. Okay. Let's go with Fink. Yeah. So Larry Fink, he's, I mean, he's another enigma kind of popped up out of nowhere. Um, BlackRock, uh, you know, it's been around since the late eighties, but all of a sudden it becomes the largest asset manager in the world with over $10 trillion under asset, I mean, under management, that's just an unfathomable sum to most people. But if you combine the assets of the next two state street and Vanguard, you're up at like $22 trillion. That's about the GDP of the United States. So like they are sitting on a pile of cash that is as powerful as the economic, uh, GDP of the United States. Um, Fink, and so Fink is an ideologue. I mean, he's, there's a great quote from him in, uh, 2019. He's at this New York Times uh, deal book event where he says, uh, it's time to force people's behaviors to change. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors to change. Now he's talking about, um, sort of like, uh, diversity or ESG type stuff and making companies that, um, want to do business with BlackRock, you know, change their corporate culture, but uh, their corporate culture, really just means woke. And so they need to be funding, uh, whether it's climate change or they need to have more diversity, not, you know, not a meritocracy. Um, and then like with the CBDCs, I mean, he just recently had a great quote about why CBDCs are impor- important. It's because it'll make it easier for migrants to send money back across the border. It's like, I mean, like, okay, that doesn't really convince uh, most Americans of why we need a CBDC. Can you say, um, explain what have, a CBDC yeah. is for those who don't know? Yeah, sure. So for those who haven't heard of it, it's this, it's a central bank digital currency. And so right now, I mean, you, we all use our credit cards. We all use, you know, Apple Pay and, uh, you know, various forms of digital payment, Venmo and Zelle. Um, that's not what it like. You, you, you So you think that that's like, oh, well, we already have digital currency, right? No, no, we have a cash-based system where there is a large portion of cash. I mean, it's only about 3% of the money supply, but that 3% of the money supply actually confounds the entire system because of the anonymity that cash provides. You can make purchases in cash and they don't know what you've bought. That's a huge problem for people with totalitarian impulses. Mm -hmm. They want to know everything you're buying. And so when you combine that with 
uh, the, like the powers of AI, where it can kind of sift through and and apply a social credit score essentially to you. Let's say you let's say you purchase ammo or you purchase a gun, maybe you're a hunter or something. You know that will all of a sudden be flagged, and uh, you know your your social credit score may go down. But they, I mean, there's a credit card actually that uh, tracks your carbon usage currently is put out by uh, MasterCard and you get a better interest rate depending on how green your purchases are. That's just kind of a trial run. A CBDC would be a total revolution of the current currency system and it would give um, absolute total control. That's, I mean, that's a direct quote from the Bank of International Settlement, the head of the Bank of International Settlements, which if you haven't heard of that, that is like the uh, Federal Reserve of all global bankers. It's the central banker's central bank. So it's really the most powerful bank in the world, more powerful than even the Federal Reserve. And the head of it says, we want CBDCs because they give absolute control. And he also says that it obliterates privacy. I mean, he's talking about the problems of cash. We don't know who's spending $100 in the current system here and there in cash. We need to digitize all of it. And that way we can have absolute control. I mean, it's, it, and I, I've got all of the direct quotes from these people. They're not very, you know, this may sound like conspiracy theory to some people, but just go, go watch the video. I mean, there's, they bury it in an hour and a half. So I've kind of dug through a lot of footage and, and pulled out the nuggets that matter. Um, but yeah, it's total, absolute total control. It's effectively a, a, a social credit score in itself. Um, and then, you know, when hooked up with the AI, I mean, th- expect more of that, at least in the, uh, the control oligarchs world, where uh, all of a sudden people, you know, if you think you're not going to accept some of these things, just wait till you don't have a job and you're trying to feed your kids, you'll accept just about anything. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the, so in order to get your universal basic income, that's what Sam Altman says, the solution to this AI revolution is, you'll need to get a uh, world ID. And it's going to be a biometric scan and uh, you won't be able to say no unless you want to get the check. And then with the central bank digital currency, I mean, if you're not spending your money on the right things, if you're spending money on, uh, you know, uh, carbon uh, based products, uh, you know, bought too much, something that uses too much car- carbon, Meat. your credit score goes down. <laughs> you know, so, so Seamus, I, I'm, a, I'm a big, pretty terrifying. I'm yeah. a big fan of uh, blockchain technology. So whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the other altcoins that have come up, because I don't have faith in the, the Federal Reserve. I don't have faith in the, in the dollar and politicians. We're $33 trillion in debt, and this is uh, a pathway out. And just to uh, be clear for everybody, with blockchain technology, the blockchain, where every transaction is all public, right? Um, so we know every transaction that happens on Bitcoin from the very beginning. However, they don't actually maybe know who's account it belongs to. So I have some anonymity in regard to whether I own uh, the account that holds, you know, five Bitcoin or Rachel holds the account that holds five Bitcoin or you do, Seamus. There's some anonymity, um, which our government doesn't like. But I thought this is... Uh, they can't, how do they tax you then? An amazing technology that the, the, they've been figuring that out, how, how we get yeah, taxed on that. Like, well, I, and, and Sean, I get into uh, like the war. I mean, there's a coming battle. I mean, it's actually underway. You don't really notice it, but there's a war between uh, decentralized cryptocurrency, like you're talking about with Bitcoin and Ethereum, versus centralized digital currency, which would be run by the government or the powers that be in this book. And so... Um, when when FTX blew up, I mean, there's this really interesting, uh, you know, there's a section on like the FTX blow up um, that 
dealt a huge blow, a huge credibility blow. I don't allege a conspiracy or anything like that, but it was certainly convenient that all of a sudden, I mean, just uh, last week, the Bloomberg News editorial board says, oh, uh, FT, you know, we should forgive Sam Bankman Freed, but this just proves that like de- uh, decentralized crypto needs to mm. go. And uh, Larry Fink at BlackRock says the same thing. So they don't want a system where you can have anonymous transactions. They want the uh, centralized system. And that's, and that's kind of the theme throughout the whole book is they want to centralize agriculture. They want to centralize information so that you can censor everything. Uh, they want to centralize energy. So, so what's um, you the, can't have any what's wild the theory on, on, jed- fit, so on Sam Bankman-Fried that, that the collapse of it was sort of it, staged or something? They're trying to expose the flaws, right, Seamus, of a decentralized digital currency, which should say then you need to go to a centralized. We need you need the instance. government to do so. OK, so, so this is this goes to my theory, too. Um, it, 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 they're trying to control three spaces of our lives, which means they'll control us. Energy, food, and currency. Mm. They have those three things. They will control us. And they're making great strides um, uh, on these fronts. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Maybe one point also on currency. And I made this point on a previous podcast as well. Seamus, a dollar, a hundred dollar bill, the freedom that comes with that is remarkable. To your point, no one knows how I spend it, right? I could, you know, buy, you know, bags of coffee. I could go buy groceries. I could buy drugs. I could buy prostitutes. There's a, a whole bunch of things I wow. could do with that $100 bill. The freedom that I have to use that $100 the way I see fit and no one knows it um, is remarkable because it's, it's the relationship that I have with currency. If they switch it, they'll know about all of these transactions and it'll, it'll be the relationship I don't have with the currency. It's the relationship now that I have with the federal government and what they think is appropriate for me to spend my money on as opposed to what I think is appropriate for me to spend my money on. That's that's exactly right, Sean. You summed it up perfectly. I mean, it's a huge problem if you're spending money and they can't figure out what you're spending money on. And they'll use things like uh, drugs and prostitutes as like the reason that you shouldn't be able to. And a lot of people would agree. Oh, yeah. No, I, you know, you know, we should know who's uh, spending money on illegal activity. You're thinking like 20 years ago. Drugs and prostitutes are <laughs> fine today. <laughs> yes, that's your liberal party. Come on. Yeah. You got to get with MAGA the hats and yeah. ammo. <laughs> sure. yeah. Now the problem is ammo. Exactly. Right. Guns and ammo. That's right. But you know what? I did see an interview. Uh, it was like a clip online of, of Klaus Schwab. Uh, it, was, it came through my Twitter feed and he was saying, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, what's the problem? Why can't we Like we, you, you should be, we should all be okay with tr- this kind of, you know, uh, um, I guess, extreme transparency, because if you're not doing anything wrong, why are you worried? Yeah, he should he should just give me a copy of all of his emails and text messages. Right. And uh, exactly. if he's not doing anything wrong, he should have nothing to worry about. You know, that, that leads me to another point that I, I, I find interesting. When I think about all of these people. Don't, don't move what, off from that. Let me, let me okay, go ahead. Because uh, Larry Fink, who you mentioned is a, is a big control freak, um, sees the new world order. He's also applied with the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission to have a Bitcoin ETF, exchange, exchange traded fund. So if you don't want to own Bitcoin yourself, you can invest in a, 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 an ETF with BlackRock that'll own the Bitcoin for you. So it takes the risk of you owning the coin, someone stealing from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the theory is a lot more money will flow um, from maybe more conservative investors into Bitcoin through a, a, a BlackRock-esque ETF. 
And when there's been rumors of the SEC approving the ETF that BlackRock has applied for, um, Bitcoin has had big pops um, over the course of the last three months. And so I, I'm wondering, I, and I don't know if you've followed this very closely, Seamus, but it's interesting that that uh, Larry Fink, I think one of the great evils, um, wants to have a, a, a central bank digital currency controlled by the government, but he's also trying to get BlackRock to be able to invest in Bitcoin itself with those who uh, invest their money through BlackRock. Yeah, well, it just it speaks to control. I mean, you, you know, if you want to put money into cryptocurrency, BlackRock will do that for you and take your money and they'll control that investment. And then much like your retirement savings, I mean, check your check what your uh, <laughs> your, uh, you know, IRAs are invested in is probably BlackRock in a lot of cases. And what do they do with your retirement money? They go and invest it in woke ESG funds that don't actually have very good returns. And so you don't really get to say what BlackRock does with it after you've given it to them. And so, yeah, for now, it's going to pop uh, Bitcoin. But uh, let's say there's a regulation down the line that says that crushes Bitcoin. Um, you know, that like the, BlackRock will, I'm sure, be more than happy to move your money into a Fedcoin fund. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, it pops now, but this, they're playing a long game. Uh. Interesting. Okay, I'm sorry. Go, yeah, go no, no, no. I know. I'm. I'm glad you. I'm glad you made that point. Um, so I want to talk about the psychology because when I, when I, the more I looked into who was Klaus Schwab, who was George Soros, uh, Bill Gates, even Oprah, they're all kind of weirdos. Like there's a weird psychology behind, and I don't know if it's you know what's the chicken and the egg. Is it that people? And I've been in rooms with a lot of billionaires, and and there's they're eccentric, you know. Um, even the good ones. <laughs> and so is it that the money makes them weird or are the ones that have gotten into this globalist Davos crowd, are these psychologically, I mean, you look at George Soros, this is a highly psychologically damaged person. I think he's a sociopath. I mean, you can go back and look at his childhood. Um, you know, he was, you know, taken in by a Christian family when, uh, you know, during the, the Nazi era. And then, you know, this family ended up g- taking him along with them to repossess the possessions of, of, of Jewish families. I mean, that had to really mess with his mind when he was asked about it. He was like, no, no big deal. Um, he's a weirdo. Uh, you know, Bill Gates, Epstein Island, a lot of them have a lot of ties to this Epstein Island. What is it about these people? And, and is it that they think they're God? Is that has the money corrupted them or are they already damaged psychologically? I just say weirdos. Yeah, I mean, not to get real, too religious about it, but they're 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 godless in a lot godless. of cases. They and, think they're uh, God. Uh, they think they're gods. I mean, it's like God complexes on steroids. Mm. In the Soros chapter, chapter six, I, I lead every chapter with a quote from uh, the the various control guard. And uh, Soros's quote is quite telling. He's like, I, I carry with me some quite messianic fantasies. I fancied myself as a god. Yeah. Um, I was able to move money and change entire. Uh, ways of life, entire economies and bankrupt entire economies. I mean, millions and millions of people have been affected by Soros's financial moves. Um, So, I mean, they're to a degree, they carry a ton of power. Um, Regarding the tech billionaires, there's this uh, quote from an MIT professor, Joseph Wiesenbaum, who talks about like, what, what is it that makes these tech guys tick? I mean, they all kind of are seeking immortality, but he, he boils it down to, I mean, they've created worlds, digital worlds that they've built in the in computer code and cyberspace. And when they turn the dials, uh, various reactions happen and they're able to set it up exactly to their liking. 
Um, and then they try to import that same power to the or export it to the real world. And they think if they can just turn the dials of society, everything will move exactly uh, how they wish. And um, and then ultimately, like I mean, what the good club bringing it back full circle to uh, how chapter one begins this meeting of the good club, they believe the earth is overpopulated. And so um, if humans are left unchecked and without you know, the influence of these control oligarchs, they'll just uh, breed endlessly. And that's a big problem. So they need to sort of dial back, uh, you know, b- population growth and make it so that the earth, I mean, they think, but it's I mean, also some of the people in the World Economic are, Forum, aren't families a threat? Yeah, they think that a billion people is like the ideal po- uh, planet size. They don't really ever tell you how they're going to get to a billion, but they, I mean, Ted Turner has suggested, CNN founder Ted Turner has suggested that maybe poor people could sell their fertility rights. I mean, he's, he, he praises China's one child policy. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. You could sell your fertility rights if if things get really bad and dire for your family, instead of you having kids, I guess you don't have a family at that point, but instead of you having kids, you can sell them off to the control guard. Yeah. I just think families are, are a threat. You know, when you're, when you create, we have nine kids, we're like our own little tribe, right? I think that's a threat. That's threat. That's right. Cause yeah, you're, oh, you guys are public enemy number one. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Rachel, she's all a, over. I'm on, I'm, I'm on I'm every FBI six. list. She's I'm an sure. terrorist with all her kids. <laughs> so Seamus, what, one last question for you. So, First of all, the good club should be called the evil club. They should rename their club. Amen um, to that. But so I think we uh, we always want to have a takeaway. And I, I think with the power that the control oligarchs, using your phraseology, have over our lives in the future, a lot of people can become disenfranchised. They can become depressed. It, with all the research you've done, how if, if we want to fight back and actually win the future, take control back from the control oligarchs, the people who have so much influence in our lives, what can Americans do? What can people do to, to fight back and push back against this crazy mm-hmm. ideology? Yeah, well, the first step is ar- arm yourself with the truth and the facts. Um, you, you've got you've to be able to uh, share convincingly uh, what these people are up to. You, like when you're talking to your uh, liberal re- relatives and the people who actually think that uh, the global corporations uh, care about pride month or diversity or something. Uh, no, they don't. They're just taking control. Um, but you need the facts for that. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's kind of steps one, two, and three is spread the world word. You got to evangelize. And then, um, the, and on the right, I mean, the, uh, we've got some great funders on the right, but it's nothing compared to the left. Yeah. Um, with George, you know, the George Soros ATM machine is just endless. And then the Zuckerberg and all of these guys, um, so we got to correct the imbalance on the right and and fund, you know, causes that are getting the message out. You know, one of the things, we, Sean, and I've been really encouraged, not just by Millet's, um, uh victory in Argentina, it, it, imperfect, but definitely somebody fighting against globalism on, uh, you know, on his own scale, um, but also the Vox Party in Spain and some of the attention that's been brought to that through interviews and also through protests. Uh, that have been really impressive. It seems like they've also not just had the money advantage, but they've had this organization advantage because they're globalists, right? They have these global meetings in Davos. And, you know, conservatives, we are like, we're, you know, we're taking our kids to baseball practice and we're like, you know, planning family dinners and we're just individualists. And I think that the lesson that Sean and I have have sort of, taken from, you know, people go, well, you're not America first. Why do you care about what happens in Spain? Well, I didn't care about what happens in Spain because 
what these guys are doing is globalist, right? They're, it's global. It has a global scale. And if we don't start allying against the globalists internationally with other people, like-minded people, and the Europeans in particular, they know what's, ha- it's, ha- it, it's, it's the, 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 what they're trying to do has gone further in Europe than, than here. So they're sort of like a canary in the coal mine, if you will. I do think that we have to, to, to care about what happens here in America, but there has to be an international idea about this or alliances to take this on. Cause I, I just feel like they have so many more advantages. I completely agree. I mean, you know, and you see little, uh, you know, sort of MAGA like movements in other countries, yes. whether it's the yellow vests in France or the Hong Konger protests. Um, and in what's happened in Argentina and Brazil with Bolsonaro. Yeah, there absolutely needs to be a uh, unification against the globalist agenda. Um, because it's coming for all of us everywhere. Great point. And we, it comes back to a common theme of our podcast. And, and again, Seamus, I've said this many times. I, I look at the power and control I had as a U.S. congressman and the power and control I have in my own home to raise good kids. And if I'm going to change the world, I can't do it in Congress. I can change the world in my own family by raising good kids, well-informed kids. And to your point, I think you're right. Be informed and share uh, with other people, other conservatives, other liberals, what they're trying to do. Because I think even a lot of liberals might have bought into a lot of the ideology of trans and gay and global warming and don't prosecute criminals and open borders. But in the end, do they want to do they want to in total give up their freedom? I, I don't think many of them do. And they, I don't think they understand where they're going with this with this movement and what the end goal actually is. And so to be informed yourself and share that with as many people as, 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 as will listen, whether it's over the holiday season, whether it's over a cup of coffee at the coffee shop, um, when or you meet your beer. friends down there or a beer, that's right. Um, that is how- Or you can give them the book. I mean, listen, oh, this is Christmas time. You can give them control of cards. You know what? It is really hard, even over a beer, to have this conversation. This is a very complex thing. And, and, and you talk about the roots of this going so far back. Um, so I, I think a great way, this book, Control Oligarchs, Exposing the Billionaire Class, Their Secret Deals, The Plot to Dominate Your Life. Um, I recommend everyone get this book, share it with other people, maybe buy it for someone over the holidays. Um, Saving America is, is, it's going to take that kind of information. Your best liberal, you know, uncle or aunt, by your aunt, <laughs> or no, actually your, your nieces. Give it to oh, your yeah, nieces. These young kids. That, Go listen, yeah. this is, this is a compilation of all your favorite people. We're going to expose them for you in uh, control of hearts. The, the last Davis thing Jeff Summer. Bezos wants is for this book to be number one on the that's, Amazon that's list. Right. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, God bless you both. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, this is a real treat. You know, Seamus, thanks for writing the book. Yeah, um, I really appreciate and again, it. Again, I don't come, I don't come uh, uh, in with that many recommendations for guests. <laughs> I came home and I'm like, listen, Seamus was great. This this book is fantastic, and so uh, I want to thank you for joining us at the kitchen table uh, and for being such a warrior for freedom and exposing the crazy left uh, for America. And say hi to Peter from us. He's, he's been a warrior as well. We really appreciate all you guys do. This is highly researched um, stuff. Uh, it's, he's going to direct, direct sources here. Um, these aren't conspiracy theories. I wish they were. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. All right. God bless. God bless you. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.